Welcome to the LIPN Podcast, brought to you by the members of the Long Island Professional Network, where business professionals come to grow. Hello again, and thank you for listening. My name is Meryl Loeschner, and I am a marketing and communication consultant and podcast producer with Smith Douglas Associates. Most everyone knows that having good credit is important these days. From getting a good rate on a loan and even getting hired, a strong credit report and a high FICO number is a must. But what if your credit isn't that great? What then? I reached out through the Long Island Professional Network to Angela Kim of Credit Repair Boss to find out what people can do to improve their credit scores, what traps to avoid, and how to build good credit in the first place. Thanks for joining us today, Angela. You hear a lot about having a good credit score. What is considered a good credit score and according to what scale? Credit score can range anywhere from 300 all the way up to 850. If you're generally in the mid of 650 or in the 700s or higher, you're likely to get a better rate. Anywhere above 650 is considered a decent or average credit score. According to whom? I know there's FICO, there's other. Which, what credit scores are you specifically looking at? So there are typically two score models that a lot of banks look at. One is Vantage score. They use three measuring score models. On the other hand, FICO, which is most often used, they use one or more than three models, so it's more complicated. The scores judges based on how well you've been paying, how much debt you owe, how long you, you have established your credit history, and those kind of factors are what consists your credit score. Both FICO and Vantage use the same parameters to judge a score? Exactly. They base it off of the five factors that goes into credit score, which is payment history, amount owed, new credit, credit mix, and yeah, those are the factors used. Okay, well, let's break down those factors one by one. What's what's the first factor? First and the biggest chunk is 35%, which is payment history. It reflects as to how well you've been paying. Are you on time with your auto loan? Are you paying on time with your credit card? Are you keeping up with your student loan? So your history of your payment consists more than 33%, so 35% of your credit score. The next one is 30%, which is amount owed. So you could have a $100 credit card and also a $1,000 credit card. But if you were to be maxed out on a $100 credit card and have $1,000 available on the other card, it still has a negative effect on your credit because it's considered per account. So amount you owed is generated by the computer, so it's per account. So it's a smarter idea to distribute your usage on two cards as to maxing out on one card. So amount you owe is also a very important factor in your credit score. Okay, what else does count in part of the score? So the other three components are um, new inquiry, meaning were you trying to um, get new type of financing, so it's an inquiry. So if you were to walk into a Chase Bank to get an auto loan, it's a hard pull, meaning it's an inquiry that's going to reflect onto your credit report and everyone who's trying to lend you money can see that you were trying to inquire for money on that particular financing. So how often you've tried to acquire new credit is going to affect your credit. So it's not a great idea to apply for a new credit card every other month. It's better to build your relationship with your bank. 
Okay, and what's the final parts of the FICO score? The other is 10%, which is the mixes of credit. So credit mix. Do you have student loan? Do you have car note that you pay very well? Do you have a credit line that you borrowed from a bank before? And multiple mortgages. So they want to see mix of credit and use to determine that, oh, okay, this person is capable of paying us back and we can trust this person based on looking at the length and also how well they've been able to manage and juggle different types of credit. Why is having a good credit score important? One of the most important things is it helps to really save you money. So let's say that your car just broke down and you're in the market for a new car. If you were to walk into a auto dealer, they will look at you, oh, you're like a nice person. But the first question they ask when the finance manager makes you talk about yourself, it's going to be, how is your credit? No matter how nice of an individual you are, the first question is, how is your credit? So if your credit is as high as it can be, if it's in the 700s, the type of financing rate that you get will differ from a friend of yours who might be in the 500s. So whatever type of financing you're looking at, although it might be a car note or even a big purchase like a mortgage, that interest rate can differ depending on how good your credit score might be. So pretty much the higher the credit score, the lower the interest rate when it comes to loans. Yes. When I order my credit report, does that is that considered a hard pull? Does that negatively impact my credit score? So if you were to ask for a hard pull, it's going to show on your credit report. However, if you were to inquire your credit through annualcreditreport.com, so by law, you're entitled to one free credit report a year. So you could acquire credit report from there. But the trick with that is you won't be able to really see all your three credit bureau report and most importantly you don't get the score so you might inquire from all three but oftentimes consumers just get one or two bureaus but at the end of the day you really want to have a full understanding as to what's going on with your credit so it's always a great idea to enroll at a credit monitoring service so that without an inquiry you could still see what's really going on with your credit what are the big three to get a report from There are three credit bureaus. There's TransUnion, Experian, and also Aquifex. If you have a credit card or even an account with Capital One or even Bank of America, oftentimes they give you a score. So Capital One, through CreditWise, they give you a TransUnion report and a score. And also Bank of America, they give you TransUnion score. But the trick here is, again, you can't see all three because these three credit bureaus are all private agencies. The information that's contained on the credit report at oftentimes differs a little. It's a great idea to really see all three so that you have a full understanding as to what is really going on with your credit. Now, the scores that you get from the bank, they're not FICO scores, are they? Some are FICO scores and some are advantage scores, but a lot of the times they're trying to adapt more towards a FICO score because there are different models that they adapt to judge your credit score. So FICO score is on the score that most of the banks are currently looking at. How long does it take for bankruptcy to go away? I know when times got tough with a recent recession, we had a lot of people had to declare bankruptcy. Now they're building up their credit again. So it really depends as to when the bankruptcy was discharged and also when it was filed. So it really depends as to what type of debt we're talking about. And it usually stays on your report 7 to 10 years, depending on the account. 
And I'm assuming the more of those sort of things you have on your report, the lower your number goes. Exactly. So credit score is judged based on the five factors that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And yeah, one of the most important thing is were you delinquent on any any of the accounts currently? And also, yes, the collection accounts can make your score take a toll. Are certain loans viewed better or worse than others? If it's type of a financing that where you're hit with like a 20 to 25% interest rate, banks can also see that you're trying to get this lending through a merchant. So those are the type of accounts you want to stay away from. But most of the credit cards, car notes, or even mortgages, those are great accounts to have on your report so that you can start establishing some credit on your credit report. Okay, I'm a college student, just graduated, about to move out in the world. How do I start building credit? The best way to start your credit is to get a secure card. I encourage my clients to go to TD Bank or even Capital One to open a secure card. So secure card is basically showing what's really in your savings account onto your credit report. If you were to use your checking account with TD Bank for 20 years, if you never acquired any type of credit cards or any type of financing using your credit, you will never have anything on your credit report. The way to start your credit is to get a secure card. So if you have about $500, you can start anywhere from $500 all the way up to $5,000. The good number we're looking at is usually $2,000. So if you have $2,000 in your pocket, it's a good idea to bring that to the bank and they hold it for six to seven months. They give you a card. They want to see how you're capable and how you're able to manage your credit card of 2000 to see if you can be approved for a credit card. So oftentimes you use it very well, pay on time, you could get your deposit of two grand back, but oftentimes you could also double that limit easily if you were to be on time with your payment and if you're able to constantly use it and pay it well. Identity theft is a really big thing now. We heard about what happened with Experian, and there's a lot of challenges there. How can my score be affected if I'm a victim of identity theft? So the data breach from Aquifex, there were a lot of victims due to the identity theft. A lot of people who ever were on the Aquifex credit monitoring, their information were stolen, along with a lot of just American consumers. If you're on identity theft, I just want to give an example of a client that I had last week. So this client hasn't really ever checked his credit report in over three years. When he came to my office, I looked at his credit report. There were two accounts that he never applied for or never seen. There was a car note there and there was also a credit card. And because he was getting all these collection letters at home that he never used, he was very confused. That's how he came into my office. If your identity is stolen and if anyone tries to attempt to use your credit, max it out and he goes into collection or even just delinquent on those accounts, your credit definitely takes a toll. How can you fix that? If you discover that you're a victim of identity theft, how do you fix your credit? One of the first steps you want to take is to contact all three credit bureaus and place a fraud alert. So what that does is that if anyone tries to attempt to use your credit without your authorization, you always get alerts. So they actually call you to confirm that it's you trying to open a new credit card, that it's you trying to get a new mortgage. So it's a very good way to place an alert on the report. If you want a longer effect of protecting your credit, a temporary alert won't really do. It's better to do an extended fraud alert that stays on your report up to seven to eight years. 
and that's uh, one of the best way to protect it. But again, it's quite bothersome if you're trying to get new financing. So you could always call them or even mail them to lift that alert. So it's not quite hard. Okay, so you can set up an alert or a freeze, but when you need a new credit card or a new car loan or a new mortgage, you have to call each place that you put the freeze or the alert on and say, can you lift that for a bit? I'll call you back once I have the new loan. Right, if it's a freeze, you have to lift it to get it approved for whatever you're looking to get approval. If it's just an alert, they contact you. So it's up to you to decide, oh, whether I want an alert or an actual freeze on my credit report. What's the benefits of either? Freeze is no one can really use your credit, even yourself. You have to reach out to the bureaus to lift all the freezing on all three bureaus. On the other hand, alerts a little easier because if you get any type of new inquiries, they contact you to make sure it's you authorizing. It's that process that differs it from the freeze. I come to you, I've gone for a car loan, they gave me ridiculous pricing, I discover it's because my credit is horrible. I come to you, what's the first step? That's also funny, I had a client like that a few months ago. Um, let's suppose that you just went ahead and went to Jeep. You got a Wrangler that retails for $22,000 and you were hit with a 25% interest rate. Why? Because your credit score might have been in the 500 with a lot of delinquencies on the report and collections and etc. When I took on that client, I worked on her file for two to three months and what happened is her score went all the way up to 680 and I was able to help her to refinance to 5% rate. So she saved about $16,000 in one car note alone. That kind of goes to show how important your credit is when you're getting any type of a loan. So that's just an example of a car note. If she wants to get a mortgage, think about how much money you could really save on a mortgage you're paying for 15, even to 30 years. You want to check your credit and make sure it's on the right step so that you can be approved for the best rate possible. What are some of the things you do to help people's credit score? I mean, the credit score shows the history of what people have done. How, how do you fix that to raise the numbers? One of the uh, most important part is paying down on your debt. So like I mentioned earlier, 30% of your credit score is amount owed. How much are you owing on your car note? It could be how much are you owing on your credit card? If you have two cards, one for 100 and the other for 1,000, and let's say that you are equally maxed out on both cards, the first thing you would have to do is pay down on the $100 card rather than the 1,000 because it's per account. So what you would do is pay down on the cards but get the professional help to learn that you need to pay down your smaller cards and work your way up because it's consistent based on per account. Once I get my credit score higher and a little better, what could I continue to do to have good credit habits? One of the important thing is to have credit worthiness under your belt. So if you have a good relationship with a bank that you are already bank with and a credit card, it's a great idea to give them a call every six months, a couple times a year to ask for a credit line increase. If you were to use a card well, pay on time, it's very likely they're going to be able to give you a higher line of credit. That's one of the important ways to start building your credit. And the main advice that I want to give to improve your credit is to be on time, therefore be enrolled into a auto pay system so that if you were to go away and if you have a hectic schedule, you won't be falling behind as being on time is one of the most important thing that is on your credit report. What if you're late 
once out of 20 years. It's the, oh my God, I misplaced the bill that came in. You're late once, you're on time the rest of the time. Is that one payment still ping? So that happens all the time when people go away and forget that one credit card mm -hmm. that had, you know, five bucks on mm -hmm. there. Um, it's gonna still take a toll if you were to be late on a card last month or very recently for next half a year the score will take a toll but immediately it takes a toll so yeah it'll be like a small blemish on your credit report as years pass but it's still a great idea to be on time and therefore check your credit and monitor it on a regular basis so that you have an understanding as to what's going on your credit because that oftentimes people don't really check their credit and they get surprised when they come into my office oh i had a con edison bill mm -hmm. a collection account that might have occurred while you were moving and you lost hold of all the letters that might have come into your previous address so good idea to check your credit so that you're on top of your bills but also knowing that all of the accounts are yours that you're on time credit cards very often people can do horrible things with their credit with credit cards what's the difference between a bank card versus a store card and how many cards should i have that's a question i get oftentimes from clients the basically the difference between the bank card and a retail card is that if you have average of five thousand dollars limit on your bank cards and if you were to go to macy's to open a retail card because they try to lure you in with an initial 10 15 percent to open a credit card you're likely to get a much smaller line of credit than you're used to getting at major banks. Why? Do you want to give $500 limit cards and give it to 20 people for their line of 10,000 to more people so that they could hit them with a higher rate? And oftentimes, store cards, you forget about your bill and goes into collection and stuff. So it's very important to just build your relationship with banks that you bank with and to stay away from retail cards unless it's a car that and a place that you shop very frequently usually not a great idea they really don't help to build your credit out that well it's a better idea to build your relationship with your current banks ask for credit line increases a couple times a year and grow the cards that you currently have as to keep having more babies keep <laughs> opening new cards what if i decide i don't want to use a card anymore should i cancel it should i just put the card in a drawer how do you how do you stop using a particular credit card let's say that you have few bank cards you have few retail cards if you were to open a credit card you may have started that history for last 10 years if you opened that card 10 years ago from macy's and that is adding 10 years of history onto your credit report so if you already have it why cancel it Better to put some gas money on there, to use it for here and there, so that you can still keep the line open. If there's inactivity on a particular credit card, at oftentimes they just close it out. So it's better to use it here and there and to leave it open. Not a great idea to go ahead and cancel your card that you already have. Okay, so if I had a card when I was a teenager and have been getting different cards as I've gotten older, and I still have that card I got, several decades ago just leave it yes um those are one of your best cards those are one of your best cards because that might be probably your first credit card you've ever had and if you had it for over two decades for 20 years that's adding 20 years of history onto your credit report. like i mentioned before 15 percent of your credit score is the length of history and that's really holding a lot of weight in terms of 
enriching your credit history. So you want to keep it. You want to use it for gas, groceries here and there. Leave it open. What are some good credit habits besides paying on time? Especially for, again, a, a recent college graduate or a recent high school graduate who has their first credit card. In a case like that, you want to have at least few cards under your belt because you never know as to what could happen if you were to lose your job and things come up. So it's a good idea to have at least few cards. If you just graduated out of college and you just have a card, it's not a bad idea to get one or two more cards so that you can start building credit history. And eventually when you get a car note on your credit report, it looks better to have at least few cards as to just a single car for line of 500. Better to have few cars under your belt so that once you get a car note and once you get a mortgage later on, you keep adding all these positive history onto your credit report. One of the more terrifying things sometimes is getting a collection letter or a collection notice. What do I do? One of the collection I see is medical bill collection. You went to an emergency or even just a doctor that you see oftentimes, you come home a few months later, you get a collection bill. That might be a bill that your insurance company didn't cover and that you were liable for and you didn't realize that you owe the amount till you got the notification. And oftentimes it's going to show on your credit report if it's a state of a collection or charge of account. If you were to pay on that collection you have for $1,000, still want to stay on your report. Just because you pay your collection account doesn't mean that it disappears from your credit report, but rather just the verbiage on your credit report is going to be paid collection. You still need to rectify it off of the credit report. It's a good idea to check your credit report and see if you have any collections that are still paid because you still want to clean up from your credit report. How do you get an old collections off your credit report? They really violate the law a lot. Under the federal law, you have protection as a consumer to not be harassed after certain hours. They cannot call your employers. They can't harass you by sending you a mail every single day. So there's a way to actually sue them back for violating the consumer protection law you have. We have to look at the collection letter, but we have a pro bono service in our company to look over all your collection letters to see if we can pursue any of them and have them help with restoring your credit. If I have a collection ding on my credit report, is there any way to take it off the credit report? Yes, it's possible because it's not from the original creditor. It's going to show up on the report and they need to validate where and when this set was established. So it's much of a longer process, but yes, there's definitely a good chance. And once we get that off the report, the number goes up. Yes, it will go up, but it's also a lot of factors. So yes, if the collection gets removed, your score could go up a bit, but it's other factors as well. You still need to pay down on your cards, a lot of factors, but yes, definitely that would help on your credit. Your average customer, if there is such a thing, Roughly how long does the process take? It really depends as to the type of the client and the file. If you go to a doctor's office, a doctor can't just look at you up and down and say, okay, look, you have a cancer. Oh, it might be tumor. Mm-hmm. They need to do a full diagnosis with your body to see what's really going on. Same goes for a credit. Just as everyone looks so different, your credit looks all different. That's why we offer free consultation, look at your report, and we can know as to how long it's going to take and what we need to be expecting. So you can usually tell once you do the, the triage, 
when you triage a client, you can usually tell, oh, the, uh, we can clean this up in two weeks or sit down, this is going to take a while. The dispute can be as short as a month or even a few more months. But yes, when we look at it, I know as to immediately how long it's going to take and what we need to be expecting. Want to share some happy customer stories? Yes, it's one of the most successful stories. I had a client that came to me about a month ago. He came to buy a house. He was trying to get a pre-approval. He wasn't getting a great rate he was looking to get because his credit score was around 620. If you want to get a mortgage, most of the banks for a traditional mortgage, they want to see your credit score in the 650s or higher, the better. He was in the 620s. And I worked on his file for a little over a month, month and a half, and I got his first update last week. Jumped from 620 on Aquifex all the way to 800. So 180 point jump on one bureau, and I was so happy to see. There were a lot of things that got removed, rectified, taken care of, and it was great to see a client so satisfied, but knowing he will get the best rate possible now that his credit is on another tier. So tell me about your company. How long have you been there? So our company, we've been around for over six years now. I've been a credit consultant at Credit Repair Boss for over five years. What makes you different from other credit repair companies that I've heard of out there? There are a lot of credit repair companies out there, but I think what really differentiates us from other competitors is that we are different because the moment you come into my office or we're doing the consultation, you get paired with one consultant. If you were to Google a credit repair company, start working with them, it's very likely that every time you call in to get an update about your file, you're going to be handed over to a new person every single time that may not have a full understanding as to what's going on with your credit and what you need. But for us, you're paired with one consultant, for example, me, and I'll be able to not only just fix your credit, but building your credit. It's like a house that might have burned down. You can't just build a new house on top of a house that just burned down. You do all break it all down to the fundamentals and bring it up from the bottom. And same thing with your credit. You can't just sweep this corner and not the other. You need to fix your credit, but still be able to build your credit so that you can build more on top of it and hopefully get better rates for whatever you're looking to get. Where do you get most of your clients? My clientele is mostly all referral-based, so when you are satisfied with the changes and the transformation on your credit, you bring your friends and family. That's how my business has been growing. I've also gotten a lot of clients who are trying to refinance their home. Also, interest rate is very important there. And also for clients who are trying to get a mortgage. So those are the type of clients I work with, but I help anyone who really want to work on their credit or want to improve their credit. How did you get interested in credit repair? Actually, my father, he joined in as a partner in the company, and that's how I got um, involved in the business. But I'm very passionate to help people save money and improve their credit. Did you go to college for finance? Actually, I went to Stony Brook and I studied economics and minored in linguistics, which is language studies. But yeah, as I learned about how I really economy works and how money evolves. I really wanted to focus on as to how credit can affect your life. You can have it under your belt in times you need it and that when you are in need of it, at often times you can't acquire it. I would love to really educate people as to how to use their credit well. Where is your office? 
Our office is in Garden City, right across from the mall, the Roosevelt Field Mall. We also have an office in Flushing in Queens, but we are growing a lot and we have an office that just opened in Seattle, Washington as well. If for whatever reason I can't make it to your office, can I call you? Can we Skype? How else can I get in touch with you? Yeah, of course. I actually have a lot of clients all over the 50 states. We have clients in Alaska, California, even North Carolina. The consultation can be done over the phone and the consultation is free. We first have to look at your credit report to see how we can improve your credit and how we can rectify certain things on there. Consultation over the phone is possible. Okay, if someone wanted to contact you, talk about what their credit score is and how to get it better, how can people reach you? You can always reach me at my cell, which is 516-698-4303. So that's my cell phone number. I'm always available. If I can't pick up, I always get back to you within an hour. Yeah, I would love to schedule a time for consultation. Could be either in person in my offices or over the phone so that I can help you if you need coaching with your credit, if you need to improve your credit. Okay, do you have a website or email address? Yes, my email is Angela, A-N-G-L-A, at creditrepairboss.com. And the website is at www.creditrepairboss.com. Thank you for listening to the LIPN Podcast, brought to you by the Long Island Professional Network and produced by Smith Douglas Associates. To learn more about the LIPN, visit our website at lipn.org or join our meetup under Long Island Professional Network.